This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about the technology that affects us all, but few of us understand, presented in a format that can give you some basic understanding and the time it takes to drive to the grocery store. I'm Luke Covey, an independent journalist who's been writing about various technologies ranging from renewable energy to digital security for more than 40 years. I probably know more about it than you do, and if I don't, I will introduce you to those who do. Over the past couple of weeks, I've mentioned the issue of zero trust design, and it is not an easy thing for a company to do. Uh, When I say zero trust, I mean that means whenever you receive data, that there is some sort of infrastructure that's been applied that allows you to say, yes, this is real and this is not. but essentially it means you don't trust anything that comes over your computer or your digital device. That there's something that says, wait a minute. Now it can be as simple as you just saying, okay, I am not going to open up any file that I receive from someone I don't know, which doesn't necessarily save you from being hacked or, or getting malware, but it's one of the things you can do by adopting a zero trust uh, philosophy. Okay. Just being very careful. But the thing is, most people don't do that. I mean, I don't trust a lot of stuff that comes across. Whenever I see there's an attachment, I really want to make sure that they can't, that came from someone that I really know. Uh, and I've told my friends, don't send me stuff unless you've verified it. And some of them do that. But There are companies out there that are trying to apply a zero-trust philosophy to the design of products and services that go into our digital equipment. And one of them is a company called Key Factor. And I talked to uh, Mark Thompson, who is the Senior Vice President of Product Management, and to Ellen Baim, who is the uh, Senior Director of uh, Product Management for uh, Key Factor about what their technology does. And they're in the area of what they they were referred to several times in this interview as PKI, or Public Key Infrastructure, which is applying a a methodology or or technology that uh, allows you to identify who this is coming from. They also deal in the area of private certificates. Now, you have probably seen the issue of certificates. Sometimes something will come up and it'll say, the certificate uh, for this website has expired. Do you want to renew it? Okay, well, what that is is uh, a means for your computer to identify that that is coming from the person you thought or the organization you thought you were reaching. Okay, Uh, like going to your bank, you go to your bank's website and it says, do you want to approve this certificate? Okay, well, when you do that, you are verifying that you have gone to your bank's website and you better hope to hell that you actually have gone to your bank's website because otherwise they're going to collect your data. Uh, A fraudulent site probably won't issue that certificate, but there are all kinds of problems with that because lots of organizations are uh, providing certificates for various things, and sometimes they are uh, uh, temporary and you have to reissue them, and sometimes they 
somebody forgets that that they need to be uh, eliminated. Uh, and usually that comes in the area when you've got somebody who's developing software or hardware or firmware or whatever it is that goes into your device. And they're just doing it to work on it, but they forgot to deactivate the certificate, uh, which is one of the, the problems they found with some of the Intel chips uh, over the past few years. They just forgot to eliminate their certificate, uh, which allowed somebody to come in and co-opt that certificate and uh, make that device vulnerable. So we're going to talk to Key Factor. We're going to talk to Mark and to Ellen, and we're going to find out first what it is that Key Factor actually does, and then get into some of the details. So Mark, can you take it away? Key Factor uh, provides a cloud-based uh, security platform uh, and by which we manage cryptographic keys for IoT devices, and that's uh, all three major key types. Uh, that would be asymmetric keys uh, and back uh, up by uh, a managed public key infrastructure service, mm -hmm. uh, a uh, symmetric keys, uh, which we offer for um, a KMIP service, and then also SSH keys that can be used for uh, logging into gateways and, and Linux type devices. Uh, okay. We also offer we also offer that uh, a number of software development kits that, that uh, our IoT clients that can use to help uh, develop uh, and uh, manage their products as they're deployed uh, deployed in the field. Okay. And how 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 many customers do you actually have right now? KeyFactor has uh, well over 500 customers worldwide. Okay. Uh, we have uh, a division in Spain. Uh, that accounts for uh, the European uh, footprint on that. In North America, uh, we have, um, uh, you know, a very large company, very large name brand companies in the Fortune 500, uh, uh, you know, well in excess of uh, 120 in North America. Okay. And are, are you focused primarily on industrial Internet of Things or on just IoT in general? IoT in general, but we see most growth in uh, um, in medical devices, uh, automotive, uh, and industrial. Uh, we're also starting to see uh, a lot of interest for, on our solutions around uh, 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 more on um, even uh, commercial and uh, even uh, residential type of, of uh, applications. Interesting, because usually when I talk to people about what they're doing in this particular area, it's only focused on industrial, uh, which is kind of frustrating on my side. I mean, I work with a lot of engineers and, and, uh, and I write for, uh, for an engineering publication, but this podcast specifically is targeted to the, the general public. Uh, for for the, all those pieces of technology that affect our lives, but we don't know anything about. So it sounds like you actually drill right down to the common guy getting a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Yeah, we hope to one day. You know, that's certainly, that's probably more, the more nascent uh, areas of our business right now. Um, you know, certainly the, 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 where, we, where we've gotten the most traction is around industrial or, you know, connected vehicles, uh, uh, medical devices, you know, things where, um, if security is compromised, you know, it, it matters uh, a lot. Um, and, you know, that, you know, you know, safety uh, is premium, obviously, in those industries. So we've had quite a bit of success uh, with those use cases. Okay, so yeah. where, does, where does your technology, and this is probably a, a question for you, on 
where does this where does your product actually lie yeah so our our product actually is integrated into the iot device manufacturers firmware and establishes a, a root of trust in the device at the time of manufacturing um, and then hooks back into our software platform to be able to then help provide the lifecycle management of that device's identity over the time that the device is out there in the field. Okay, so you go from the, the edge of the cloud directly into the cloud. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And why do you have just 500 customers? So we're growing. I think a lot of our current customers have been in the enterprise space and mm -hmm. where enterprise PKI is more established perhaps and more familiar and as we see the growth of iot over time and we have people who are trying to figure out how to do digital identities using asymmetric certificates in their devices they're learning that using pki is a solid way to do that and so they're coming to us and given our experience in that enter enterprise space to to be able to s learn how they can use that methodology around their identities and establishing that root of trust uh, throughout all of their IoT components. Okay. So that, that solves a lot of the problems with um, connected vehicles and medical, but when are we going to see this kind of technology expanded out to uh, the commercial world? Sure. That's a great question, Lou. And then it's, Part of it is like doing, I think is doing podcasts like what we're doing today and make, and uh, I, uh, prior to joining Key Factor, I've been with Key Factor for about three years. I was with a smart metering uh, company, uh, had the pleasure of uh, developing, uh, you know, uh, smart metering solutions in North America and shipping, you know, well over, you know, tens of millions of devices, you know, across North America. So IoT and, and the security around IoT, I understand very well. And, you know, I can tell you coming from that, that, um, that uh, side of the, the business, um, we were very focused on the solution at hand. How do we make the best smart meter out there that brought the ultimate value to our end customers, the utilities that we served, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that was what we knew how to do. And we knew how to do it really, really well. And then as the security uh, uh, requirements grew and grew and grew, we realized we only knew how to do smart meters. And so what, as we work with our clients and we see what, what the, the challenges they are, they, they have, you know, they, they're not experts in this. I mean, what we do is really hard. The math behind it is hard. The, yeah. You know, setting it up is difficult. Um, and especially if you're, you're not experienced in setting it up. And so it, 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 quite frankly, it, it's daunting to a lot of product teams to be able to set it up and they, and I don't want to, they, they tend to throw, take the easy path and, and, and we can, we, and, and easy is the opposite of, of secure. And what we do best for our clients, I think, is bring those two together. People can have it, people can be secure. And if they work, you know, work with, with companies like us, they can, they can have ease of deployment uh, as well. Let's talk about your barrier to entry here, because uh, I've had a couple of articles and podcasts in the past few weeks uh, about uh, the, the engineering understanding of security. And as I talk to more and more engineering groups, the general reaction is, 
oh, that's not our problem. That's the security guys. And I go and talk to the security guys about mm -hmm. it and say, oh, that's not our problem. That's the hardware guys. So there's this disconnect mm -hmm. between the security world and engineering. So my question to you is, have you found that the engineering departments are a barrier to entry for your technology? No, I would say okay, we're not. We're, I'd say the bar our barrier to entry, quite frankly, is is we're the best kept secret out there, Lou. Um, uh, we're we're a relatively we Key Factor has been in business since two thousand and one. Um, uh, we had Jeez. a previous name, Certified Security Solutions. So we rebranded. Oh, that's who you guys are. I know about you guys. That's right. Yeah. So we rebranded in uh, November of uh, uh, twenty eighteen. Okay. So you know, I think and. Um, uh, you know, and um, so we're not, you know, people know FireEye, people know network intrusion systems. They don't know key factor off the top of their tongue. So um, when we talk to either the security team, um, we give them the sense that they have the peace of mind, like that security component. They have high, high, high trustability, high security models. When we talk to the development team, we give them speed time to market and speed of development without losing security so we, we we actually satisfy both teams in that sense okay so you're, yeah. you're you're actually working as a bridge between the two we typically work with those product and engineering groups from the beginning to understand how are they architecting their iot system so what is in the device itself what is in maybe a gateway or a mobile app that then interacts with that end device and then what are they doing in terms of the cloud and the iot platform potentially that they might also have in up in the cloud side so we part part of what we do is is kind of sit down and understand what is their process for doing digital identities and how to use certificates and kind of build that in to the life cycle, starting from when they actually have designed it to when then it's manufactured to when it's commissioned out in the field. And then as it goes through updates over time, updates including you know, firmware updates, which are signed with a, a, a secure fir firmware signing certificate. And then ultimately at the point where then you get to the device's end of life and you might need to revoke that identity. Um, you know, that, that sort of thing is what we talk through with those product and engineering people to understand from the beginning, what is, what is their use cases and what is the, the life cycle plan for their, their thing, which typically could last 10 to 15 years, especially in those heavyweight industrial devices. Okay. So your product is not actually a, 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 an artificial intelligence, is it? Uh, no, no, okay. it's a, it's a, it is a, it is, it is very, very focused on um, on providing digital identities to millions of devices for our clients. So okay. if you're making millions of, of infusion pumps, you know, to, to, for the medical device uh, world, you know, you need to have a unique identity on every one of those devices that's that's traceable to the serial number as it's been uh, manufactured. Right. That's that's hard to do in, in volumes like that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, um, the good news is, is that we use very tried and true standard based technologies to manage, to manage the, uh, uh, to manage the keys and the identities uh, for those devices and have developed a platform uh, that can do it at that type of scale. Okay. Do you work with any companies that are providing encryption? We do. Absolutely. So we have, uh, we have a vast partner network. Uh, you know, your, your uh, listeners can look for it on keyfactor.com. Um, but one of the things that we work with really well is uh, 
Yeah, we have several partners. Talus is one of our major partners, and Cipher. Um, and you know, and what what our clients also enjoy is the benefits that we have a fully uh, uh, a fully uh, integrated solution with our partners that provide that end encryption and key and root key management, uh, so that um, you know, again, going back to that design team that doesn't necessarily know how to put this whole solution together. We know how to put the whole solution together, including the encryption, uh, the encryption management, the HSM storage, uh, the cloud management, and also even down on the on, on at the device level, uh, you know, encryption and storage at the TPM and the chip level. Now, one of the problems with with public keys uh, and certificates is that you get a lot of people that a lot of companies that are issuing these certificates and i noticed and i think if i remember right you guys actually revoke those certificates after a certain amount of time right so um wrong that's a that's a that's a great question so there was a lot of, there i'm going to unpack that a little bit okay. if you don't mind so because in this so yes there are uh there's two broad types of certificates uh in the world ones that are publicly trusted and ones that are privately trusted. Right. Publicly trusted examples of those would be like from companies like DigiCert and GlobalSign, right? And those are needed and you use those, right, for uh, the use cases that, as you say, the common person likes to use. I go to my bank's website, I can click on the certificate. It's publicly trusted. There's a three-way trust. There's, a, there's the certificate authority that vets out that it's really the bank and the bank and then the client is 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 um, is trusted by the bank so the client goes to the bank the client then looks at the third party that says yes you're really talking to the bank's website and you're good to go to do your banking uh, in confidence that you have a secure connection when you flip over to the the private we we what we do is we actually work in the private world we okay. have private uh private privately issued certificates they have a lot of they have a lot of advantages, and the re and the reason that private can work so well with an IoT is because it's not when an IoT device wants to talk to the platform, and those are both under management of of the provider of that service. It's not necessary that the entire world trust those those two parties, right? It can all be done in a under the you know under control of the of the individual uh, company that's providing that service. And in that, and what the the other thing is that um, going back to the public side for a second, every one of those certificates, um, you know, those those publicly trusted certificates, they they uh, they charge money for them. They charge it, you know, and that money is for that publicly trusted model. On the private side, uh, you know, and especially in IoT uh, applications where we need millions and millions of identities, paying per certificate can can add up very quickly. You want to have a solutions uh, that you that can be you know can be scaled up with without a cost for that, and then you know, and that's what a privately uh, a privately uh, rooted certificate authority can do for you. So we um, offer work with our clients for IoT on privately rooted uh, certificates. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't work with the public uh, CAs. We have uh, gateway technologies. If there are if there are uh, needs for publicly trusted uh, domains and use cases, we we work with those perfectly well. Okay. Now, are you working with any uh, device manufacturers or with somebody like, say, T-Mobile? Um, 
and that had the pleasure to work with um, uh, the cellular networks uh, in, in the past. Uh, but, you know, actually what we provide is actually uh, relatively, uh, is actually very uh, network agnostic. Uh, and, and to the point where uh, the solutions we provide don't have to, don't even have to be uh, TCP IP enabled. And so, as you know, especially in industrial control, there are a lot of SCADA devices out there that operate on uh, networks like DNP or Modbus, uh, which are which are not uh, IP IP ready, uh, and so it's just as important, and probably in a lot of ways even more important because it's critical infrastructure that those SCADA systems get the same type of security capabilities that we enjoy uh, on the you know on on the IP uh, type of networks. Okay. Uh, so um, so mo uh, our uh, products, uh, to go back to one of your original questions, is is geared toward device manufacturers. And yes, in those in the the 500 in the the bank of 500 clients, we have several device manufacturers where we supply uh, device identity to uh, you know that are that are in manufacturing and in production today. Can you name any of them? You know, we have obviously we have confidentiality agreements with our. Clients, I know, so, but I gotta ask yeah. the question. I understand. <laughs> so I have to be careful. <laughs> so. yeah, it's kind of, kind of a standard thing. I have to ask the question. You have to say, oh, we, we have confidential agreements. So I, we've, done, we've both done our jobs on, on that area. Um, let, me, let me see if I, if I can put this into terms that, that the common guy uh, would understand. And I have a, 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 an analogy that I like to use about snail mail. Okay. When when you receive uh, a, a letter in the mail, okay, you have this envelope and on this envelope, you have your name and address. And so you can have a pretty good idea that you are the person receiving that piece of mail. And then up in mm -hmm. the, the left hand corner, there could be a name and or an address. And you might recognize that name and address. And so you can say you can be reasonably sure that that letter comes from that person, okay? And then you have the stamp and the postmark so you can see where the, it was mailed from officially. There's an official government stamp on there. Okay, yeah. that's good. But the thing is you really don't know for sure who that letter comes from. Unless, of course, it's a piece of registered mail where somebody had to provide their ID and then sign the thing and then you can say, okay, I do know this person. So you could open it up and it's not a letter filled with anthrax. Okay. How do you guys fit into that analogy? Ah, perfectly well. I'll give you an, I'll give you an, an analogy that we use uh, for public key infrastructure. And it's a very common thing that, that you'll see. It's driver's license, right? Okay. Driver, you can, I can hand you my license that has a picture of me on it. And it has, you know, it has uh, identifying information. And you, you and I just sitting, you know, somewhere alone, you can say, yep, that's Mark Thompson. I can see his picture. And then, so the, the driver's license is actually issued by the state of Ohio, and mine in particular is issued by the state of Ohio. Uh, and you can actually see that, you know, it looks like it's issued by the state of Ohio. There are fraud prevention techniques that are on that license, you know, that, blue, you know, that you can see on the blue light, you know, there's, there's seals and all the things on there. And you can say, yeah, this looks like a pretty a good license. I can trust that the state of Ohio 
you know, said, you know, at some point in time, said that this is Mark Thompson and gave him a license. Or same thing with a passport, right? I could do that. And the, you know, and it was the U.S. government, the passport uh, control office that said, yep, Mark Thompson proved that he's really him and I'm giving him this passport. So let's, so the same thing with a, a digital certificate, right? It's actually very readable. You, a human can actually read the certificate, can see who issued it, can look at the whole, can look at the whole uh, certificate chain, um, and then can see, you know, can see, for example, you know, in the public side that it went back to a, like, a, to a digicert or to a global sign. Um, it could see who was issued to, um, and then you could read, you know, some other things around how it's supposed to be used. Right. And so in the analogy, then, in that particular case, the, the certificate is the driver's license. You don't, you know, and I could in, in a, a computer or a uh, or a thing or an IOT thing can actually read and use that certificate and then verify based on the, the trust chain that it was actually issued by who it's supposed to trust. And so we use that, and so that, that analogy we, we believe works, works really well. And so what's interesting, especially if you think about that, so, you know, we're very used to using PKI in terms of uh, certificates onto laptops in an in a enterprise IT environment, right? That's very common. Almost all of your listeners would know what that is. They have to have, in order to even get authenticated to join a corporate network, you have to have a certificate. I'd say, uh, you know, every one of your listeners is going to be used to that. Um, now, what do you, now when you when you go off and you do that uh, for things that are out in the world, it's it's very you know you can't just go off and you know get to the the substation that has a certificate on there. You need to be able to um, you know uh, put it on the device, maintain that on the device, uh, and uh, you know and so that uh, that um, in even even within that substation uh, itself, you know, in a utility company. Um, that um, that the components that are within that substation can be properly identified to, you know, it could be a, a worker coming in, you know, to make sure that they have the proper credentials uh, before that uh, they're allowed to connect to that device and maintain it. Uh, or it could be some SCADA system that's telling that device to, to make a change to a, a critical parameter for running that, sta that station. All of that can be accomplished through that driver's license in the form of a digital certificate, you know, at scale, um, you know, for, for, for these industrial type control applications. Yeah, but the, the, the downside of that is that what your technology does, it, it ensures that the device that you are receiving this data from is registered to a specific person, but it doesn't tell you if someone has stolen that device and is activated and, and is using it irresponsibly so yes i mean you know that's but that's um, that's not your problem that's the problem of the company that allow that device to get stolen i'm just thank you that's what i was going to say but what it can't <laughs> but what it also allows you to do is very quickly turn it off yeah. and blacklist it yeah, and absolutely point. get it and absolutely get it out of harm's way yeah um and so that you know it can't do any more damage and segment yeah. that very quickly and yeah. so, and then there's a whole, there's a whole thing that we can, we can illustrate to, to folks about how to properly design. If, let's say, for example, that, you know, um, I'll go back to the car example. You have, you, you know, um, uh, General Motors makes eight and a half million vehicles per year, right? 
Um, some are Buicks, uh, some are uh, GMC, some are, you know, they're, they're different. They're four different major brands, right? They can sub-segment those, those uh, trust chains to different brands. They can even sub-segment those to different vehicle types. So, and what, with the, the, the way that I'm illustrating this is one of the great things about public key infrastructure that can be used for IoT deployments is you can segment out the, the trust management to a particular product line. And if there's an issue on a particular product line or a particular location, then it's only contained within that particular product line or location. And the rest of your millions of products that are out in the field are not affected. Okay. All right, that makes me feel better. And I think that's about yeah, all the time right. we have today. So Mark, Ellen, thank you for your help. Our You're pleasure. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great uh, to chat with you. Okay, that was Mark Thompson and Ellen Bain from Key Factor, and uh, we're going to be continuing on this issue of uh, device security uh, because, unfortunately, when it comes to crucial technology, that's one of the most important things we need to be concerned about right now. So thanks for listening to Crucial Tech. I'm Lou Covey. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed your time here. I hope you've learned something. And let's stay safe out there and stay home for crying out loud. This has been a Footwasher Media production.